This is Unrolling E-Commerce. On today's episode, how ambitious brands create strategic partnerships that accelerate growth. What we've tried to do is since we're such a small team and our budgets really aren't that large is, you know, we had to get really creative about how do we get more prospects and how do we get more leads without just putting a print ad everywhere or quadrupling our digital ad budgets across all these platforms. So we started tapping into other people's networks and saying, you know, what kind of business can you source for us and creating really positive agreements that everybody's happy with so that, you know, they feel like they're being compensated properly. They're finding business for us. And then we come home with a lot more sales. Creating significant partnerships that are going to take us to the next level is where I'm at. And I just want to be in a position where I'm helping these hotels and these airlines and just enhancing the experience. Um, you, you shouldn't be approaching these people like you're coming to sell them. What you're really trying to do is, is you're trying to enhance an experience that already exists for them. Strategic brand partnerships isn't a new idea. One of the best known examples of a brand partnership is the cereal box with a branded toy inside. The combination boosts sales for both the cereal and the toy, making both companies happier. In the digital era, marketing partnerships look a bit different. Not only are the products or the services often less tangible, but companies are no longer limited to partnering to distribute the product or services itself. They can partner to enhance content, build brand awareness, boost business, and break into new markets. But for a partnership to truly work, it has to be a win-win for all players in the game. In this episode, we explore the tactics and strategies direct-to-consumer companies are using to seek out and implement strategic brand partnerships. I caught up with Julie Zoe, the Senior Director of Growth for AdRoll, to discuss why partnerships matter for direct-to-consumer companies. One of the biggest challenges for D2C brands looking to grow that will become more of a challenge over time is being discovered and standing out. There was a statistic from last year that said there was something like 175 different online mattress D2C retailers. And that's not even one vertical. That's like one specialty item within one vertical. So the opportunity is very great, but that means the discoverability is a bit of a challenge. And in addition to discoverability being a bit of a challenge, there is not that many signals of quality. Uh, A D2C brand tends to be an experience good. You don't know how good it is until you try it. And if there's so many options out there, uh, prospective consumers are in a bit of decision paralysis. So that means that it's very hard for you to get discovered. And then even if you are discovered, there is friction to a potential customer trying you out because they're not sure of the quality. So partnerships kind of solve for both of those challenges by partnering with a like-minded brand who appeals to the same type of customer, allows you to increase the potential target audience that you can get in front of and be discovered by. And because you are linked with another brand, um, that is a signal of quality and trust so that Customers of your brand then trust the other brand and customers of the other brand then trust your brand. So it ends up being truly a win-win situation all around. One of the most obvious ways is just increased distribution. You know, you sell each other on your respective online storefronts or if one of the brands is actually a distribution channel, then your product is then sold 
across that extra um, distribution channel. And in both cases, both sides benefit. A much more interesting method is when both brands actually end up creating something new together that may not have um, existed before. So I believe that, I forget which company it was. It may have been Birchbox and Barkbox. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to get it wrong, but there was a subscription personal beauty service that partnered with a subscription dog product service. And then they created a special box together that was like subscription, like beauty products for your dog service. And then that becomes a product that can be sold on both platforms. And it's something unique for both companies so that it's not just selling each other's products, but it's selling like a brand new, unique kind of SKU that didn't exist before. I would say uh, first look for a brand who benefits from partnering with you because you're asking a brand to put in a lot of work. So first find a partner who benefits from partnering with you. And then at the same time, that brand has to be one that your customers would benefit from. But in this case, it's one of the few times where I would say your customer does not come first, because if it's just your customers that come first, you would want to partner with the most uh, like popular brand out there, right? But it's unlikely you would get them to partner with you unless they also have like equal or perhaps even more benefit than, than you would have. The future of D2C is going to involve continued fragmentation. And so I feel that brand partnerships will become more and more kind of like custom and high touch in order to try and stand out uh, amongst the crowd. Um, I'm hoping that we'll start to see more things similar to actually, it's not quite a D2C example, but similar to how actually AdRoll did a partnership with um, a, a fellow company called Yotpo. So what Yotpo does is they allow a a D2C retailer to display um, reviews and star ratings of their products across marketing channels. And Yachtpo and AdRoll did a partnership where AdRoll customers can sign up with Yachtpo and then via an integration, uh, Yachtpo then pushes reviews and star ratings into the ads that ad role runs on behalf of the customers. So in this case, like every single party, Yachtpo, AdRoll, and the customer all win. And we built a new product uh, out of it that was better than what either of us had before. So I'm hoping that we'll see more and more examples of that type of like creative, high touch type of partnership. The US marijuana industry is worth billions of dollars and is showing no sign of slowing down. It's predicted that in 2025, legal marijuana sales will earn as much as $23 billion in the US alone. Pure Pressure was founded in 2015 to provide the cannabis industry with quality rosin extract products. Director of Marketing and Business Development, Eric Vlosky, has joined forces with influencers across the industry to bring educational content. In the process, he's developed strategic partnerships to grow the company in a new industry. What we found is that you know, we partner with a lot of other manufacturers in our space, um, manufacturers in extraction specifically, because they might be doing solvent-based extraction, which is the predominant way that it's done in cannabis. Um, and they have these big, I mean, we're really kind of going after the same customers for the most part. 
but we're selling them very different things that are, I mean, it's sort of competition, but not really in a lot of these ways. So we've really tried to partner with a lot of these other cannabis extraction technology manufacturers, very wordy. So that's been really successful because we realized that, you know, we present an exciting new sales opportunity for their sales team, or at least to refer business back to us, because then they get a cut of adding equipment to labs that they already work with that they weren't going to sell in the first place. So it's a good way for them to capture some revenue that was probably going to come our way eventually. And then that's kind of the more, I'd say textbook level business development and strategic partnership stuff that we do, you know, going to these manufacturers. But another thing that we do is work really closely with a lot of our influencers. So not just going online and having them on IG lives, that's kind of the icing on the cake to create content. But we work with a lot of them as well to source business for us because they have networks and they are influential within their circles to say, hey, you know, Pure Pressure makes really good equipment. You should talk to them. Um, and then we take care of them and pay it forward as a result. So what we've tried to do is since we're such a small team and our budgets really aren't that large is, you know, we had to get really creative about how do we get more prospects and how do we get more leads without just putting a print ad everywhere or quadrupling our digital ad budgets across all these platforms. So we started tapping into other people's networks and saying, you know, what kind of business can you source for us and creating really, you know, positive agreements that everybody's happy with so that, you know, they feel like they're being compensated properly. They're finding business for us. And then we come home with a lot more sales. It's been really successful and it's, you know, I influencers, hash makers, consultants, you know, there's so many different facets of networks that you could potentially tap into, at least in our side of the industry, that we have tried to leave no stone unturned and make really friendly relationships with as many people as possible. Biggest piece of advice I'd have for other brands is just being really planful about who you identify. And just because a brand is very big or very influential or they have really big sales in your space... It doesn't mean that they're going to be a great partner necessarily. And also, you know, making sure that when you're pursuing some of these partnerships, that whoever is someone that's really good at negotiating on your team is actually the person who is going into it, as opposed to the person that may or may not be, because to negotiate well, you really have to be able to compromise well. And we learned a lot about what our influencers needed to be paid in order to have it be worth their time to come back and give us referrals and give us their, the keys to their network, so to speak. So, you know, and we only were able to do that because we earned their trust. So I think partnerships are this kind of thing where there's a lot of layers to the onion, but you have to be able to compromise and you really need to be able to identify the brands that aren't directly competing with you, but the ones that are very complementary. Volcanica Coffee started in Maurice Contreras' garden in 2004. Today, they source and distribute over 150 different varieties of coffee from their plant outside Atlanta. Aaron Contreras, Maurice's son, is now the director of coffee, and the team are working to strengthen strategic partnerships and accelerate company growth. We're actively seeking um, you know, very tight, close partnerships with major hotel chains around the world. Um, but you know, more importantly, just always being where our customers are. And so, um, you know, we're seeking out, um, you know, really high-end resorts in the Maldives and different places like that, Dubai. Um, I think we 
At one point we were serving in 150 cafes in Qatar. Um, so I think like in terms of like how we're doing that, we're working with venture firms. <laughs> but I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty disclosed on that end. But, you know, we're working with venture firms and, and we're seeking to create big business with, um, with big hotels, some airlines that we're in discussion with as well. Um, I think closing those major deals are going to be big milestones for us as a company. At the end of the day, your company is only as big as as much coffee as you can put out. And my goal today is to max our output out and whatever that takes. And so I'm just seeking contracts that are going to do that. Just seeking big partnerships and big deals is where it's going to take us to the next level. But more importantly is those partnerships need to include our customer in there. So, you know, speak directly to airlines and hotels. Um, just, you know, being in that hindsight is important for us. You know, the most important thing what I've learned is like, you, you shouldn't be approaching these people like you're coming to sell them. What you're really trying to do is, is you're trying to enhance an experience that already exists for them. And I think if, if, if you're out there to sell, like you can do that all day. Nobody wants to be sold. And the way that I approach these people is I'm trying to enhance their coffee experience and more importantly, also cut their cost of goods, um, you know, because they're probably, they're probably paying a really marked up price by a large coffee company right now. So I'm trying to help hotels and things like that. We have no problem selling coffee, you know what I mean? But I think creating significant partnerships that are going to take us to the next level is where I'm at. And I just want to be in a position where I'm helping these hotels and these airlines and just enhancing the experience. Um, we're trying to approach other coffee companies that are serving just a very basic cup of coffee. And we're, what we're trying to say is, can you take this to the next level? Because we believe that's what your customer deserves. And um, yeah, going directly into like, sometimes like butlers need training on how to pour coffee and things like that. So we're really looking into it dynamically, offering training and different things like that um, to these new partnerships. I think there's definitely some opportunity. Um, you know, we've, we've had some, some, some good interest from some very big brands actually. Um, so, and we're still having conversations with them, uh, you know, uh, uh, about just basically providing a specialty coffee service to their hotels or to their airlines or whatever. Um, you know, I, I'm encouraged by seeing that those are brands that reached out to us that contacted us. We didn't contact them. Um, so that just tells me that, you know, there's, there's some good opportunity out there. If we, you know, imagine if we were in the position to start going after those, those accounts, that, that would be cool. It's gotta be word of mouth because, you know, from an international scale, we are not doing any ad campaigns internationally. So, so it's gotta be word of mouth. And that's where a lot of that stuff is coming from. We have a lot of great, positive five-star reviews. You know, for me as a marketer, I think that speaks volumes you know if somebody's looking for something and they see something that overwhelming has has great reviews that's something worth embracing customer advocacy is a brand marketing strategy that aims to build deep relationships with customers and earn mutual trust by developing partnerships with customer advocates not only do you ensure that customers have an excellent experience with your product or your company but you also create a new referral marketing opportunity for your brand Veronica Kofti is the Customer Marketing Manager at AdRoll.
She explains how she implemented a customer advocacy strategy to build a mutually beneficial relationship and a partnership that in the long run also increases revenue growth. So Avril partners a lot with our customers through our customer advocacy program, which is something that I manage. It's called Avril Growth Champions. And basically the goal of that program is to drive additional value for our customers by amplifying their growth stories and sharing them with a wider audience. So content, speaking opportunities, basically trying to elevate their brand. You know, our ICP is smaller brands that don't have endless resources. They have small teams. It could just be the the founders just starting their business, you know, but obviously we range from small to medium size that are up against the big box retailers. So the biggest value for our customers through this program is that brand exposure and us using things like our website, our blog, our social media following, newsletter, all those things to share our customer stories, which is a huge benefit for them. And our customers get super excited to work with us on, on those types of things. Back when I first transitioned to the customer marketing role at AdRoll, we really had a transactional relationship with our customers, both from the sales side, but also from the marketing side, we were really lead gen driven. And so there was always, you know, we were focused on conversions and and driving leads and things like that. And the customer centricity tends to get lost when you focus on those specific things. So um, when I took over the program, and also when we got our new SVP of marketing, Jason, he kind of flipped our thinking upside down with the flywheel model, where the customers should be at the center of everything you do. And you should really be offering that free value to your customers that generates goodwill. And then in turn, your customers will show reciprocity for your brand by leaving you positive reviews, telling their network about the positive experience they've had with your brand and more. So I really found that when you lead with the free value of the program, that tends to work way better. And I always try to think about it like what's in what's in it for the customer. Anything that I ask a customer to do, what's in it for the customer and what's that benefit that they will get, which I think is similar um, to brand partnerships. When you're a D2C brand that's evaluating a strategic partnership, you should really ask yourself, what can I offer the DSC brand that I'm partnering with? What's what's a core competency that, you know, they don't have access to, but I have access to, you know, vice versa. And how can we work together to elevate each other's brands? So I think in that regard, it's a little bit similar to customer advocacy because our customers, they don't always have the widest reach or audience because they're growing their brands. If we can use ad roles following and reach to get them some additional brand exposure, that's something that they, you know, wouldn't have access to prior. And it just all circles back to that additional free value. A couple examples come to mind. I think, um, you know, everyone will always say when you're evaluating which partnership brand would be right for you, it's important that your audience semi overlaps, you know, but I think that it's also important, obviously, um, to have, you know, a similar target demographic, but you can also be super creative 
in the brands that you partner with. So for example, one of the partnerships that I thought was was the coolest and kind of most unique that I've seen is uh, Glossier, which is um, a D2C makeup brand. And then BarkBox, which is a subscription dog toy company. And so on the surface, you would never think, oh, these these two brands, you know, they don't really have complementary products, but they partnered together to make Glossier type plush dog toys. Uh, you know, they did this entire unique campaign behind it. That kind of virality component that that had as well really made the partnership stand out because people are like, wait a minute, why is Glossier and BarkBox partnering together. It makes you kind of curious about what the brands are doing. So I thought that that was a really great example. Another example is going back to what I was saying previously about brands should gain some kind of core competency that they didn't have access to before. So the brands should have strengths that complement each other. A lot of our customers and just general D2C brands um, have started mainly online or almost all online through e-commerce. And so a really great strategic partnership for those types of brands could be someone with a heavier retail presence or a brick and mortar presence where the D2C brand doesn't have access to in-person storefronts. So one example is Um, Lisa, the online D2C mattress company, partnered with the luxury furniture retailer West Elm. And uh, the mattress company was full D2C online, but they put their mattresses in the displays at West Elm, which was great because people got to try out their products. So it was a great customer experience that they could then take them to, you know, online to complete the purchase. But then, you know, it was also modeled with West Elm, which is a great, you know, furniture brand. So I think that those types of things tend to work really well. And something that I've been seeing more brands do pre-COVID, I guess. So another example that I've seen uh, D2C brands do with great success is social media giveaways. These are relatively low time commitment. I mean, you just send your products to your partner brand, agree on, you know, the timeline and logistics of, uh, of how the social media giveaway will work when you both will post on your Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, and then you're off to the races. But it tends to be a really high impact partnership because it's a great brand awareness tactic you're using the brand partner's social media following to get more eyes on your brand. And so I've seen this across my own social media of brands always doing giveaways. And these are great because they also tend to have that like kind of competitive nature and kind of fun to them where, you know, they tell you to like the post, follow both of the brands, tag your friends. So then you're tagging your friends. So it's not just the person who's following the brand that's getting that exposure. It's also their friends. And so I've seen that work really well across both our customers and just social media at large. So I would definitely recommend that if you're trying to dip your toes into the, you know, co-marketing waters, because it's 
pretty lightweight and it's a great way to test out if if the partnership could work for a bigger campaign. There is more than one way to assess whether a partnership is suitable to work with or not. To create a beneficial partnership with somebody, you need some kind of form of common ground, but perhaps you're looking for an alternative service or product that complements your own. You may also find partnerships in your existing relationships that are easily within reach. Perhaps going local or searching for an established business may fill your company's partnership needs. Catch is a platform that offers an easy-to-use, flexible system for users to manage all of their personal benefits. Co-founder and CEO Kristen Anderson discussed finding the right partners to leverage opportunities and better service their customer base. One of the most fun parts for me is, is finding all these, these like-minded companies that are looking for ways to deliver financial stability to a group of people who have been otherwise like overlooked um, or underserved, I should say. Um, I, I think that there, um, there's a couple companies that come to mind. One is uh, this disability insurance provider I'm talking about. They're called Breeze. Um, they've been working to create a really quality product that's affordable, that can serve like a sort of a, a non-traditional workforce, right? Which again, a lot of financial products are hard to get into the independent workforce's hands because of their volatility and income. It makes it hard to price certain things. Mm -hmm. uh, so really excited about working with folks like that. Um, there's a health insurance company called Decent. Um, out of Austin, Texas, that is doing what's called an association health plan model. Um, their team is incredible. They've really like put together something that creates a cheaper health insurance plan for independent contractors. Um, if you don't qualify for tax credits, you can save up to 40% on their plans. Um, and so there are just a lot of really innovative models that I think people have started trying out. And again, like a lot of people say, like with, with crisis comes opportunity. Um, and I think that people are really really willing to try things that have never been done before. Um, what's great about our position is that we serve as, as something of a hub, right? And we get to sit at this intersection and really help our customers and help vet some of these, these different options to make sure that we're providing them something that's high quality. Um, sometimes that can be a little bit challenging because a lot of people come in, offer our product, offer our product, but we take our role really seriously. And for us, it's not just about like, oh, is there something we could earn money on? And it's much more about like, what is it that people actually want? Do we believe that this is fundamentally a better product than, than would otherwise be accessible? And can we help make sure that that gets into the hands of the people who truly need a product like that? So yeah, there are a lot of companies that are coming up that are looking at this workforce and saying they have been um, they've been served with the same products as the traditional workforce and they earn money differently. They spend money differently. Like just even the concept of like, what is a work day is, is just totally different. Um, and so there's a lot that we, I think we need to rethink in terms of how we, we serve that group. Thank you to Julie Zoe, Pure Pressure, Volcanica Coffee, Veronica Kofti and Catch.co for featuring in this episode. You'll find links to all of the companies in our show notes. If you want to read, hear, and see more, go to adroll.com forward slash resources. We have everything you need for your ambitious brand. You can follow us on social media. Just search for Adroll on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and TikTok.